the question I want to address tonight and answer, hopefully, from the text uh, is a question that a lot of people uh, wrestle with or ask. And the question is, is there any distance that is too far for God? Or is there any person that is so far away from God that he can't reach them? And, you know, some people will ask that question. You know, what about the people who live in a third world country, who who, who live out in the bushes and literally have nothing and, and never heard about Jesus? Are they too far away from Jesus being able to reach them and speak to them? Uh, what about the people here in our community who are just so far from Jesus and want nothing to do with them? Like, are, are they too far? Is there any distance too far that Jesus hasn't went? or won't go to reveal himself to someone. And that's really what the Christmas story is about. It's about answering that question and showing us the, the distance that Jesus really went to reach the people who were actually the farthest distance from him. So check it out. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So Jesus was born in this tiny town of Bethlehem. And it tells us here that there were wise men who came from the east to try and find him. Now it's interesting, this term wise men in the Greek language is the term magi. And it's actually where we get the word today, magicians. And so we're actually kind of misled a little bit from the Christmas song we sing, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Um, These guys weren't actually kings. They were magicians and sorcerers and astrologers and astronomers. And it's interesting that these guys came from the east as well, which the journey they took was approximately a thousand miles to get from the east. Most people believe that they lived in Arabia or Persia, modern day Iran. They came all the way to Jerusalem looking for Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now, these eastern nations, whichever one that they they did come from, um, these people actually worshipped the stars. They, they worshipped the stars and they looked to the stars for the answers to really all the big questions of life. They looked to the stars to try and find God and discover God. That's what the Magi did in ancient Eastern times. And it's interesting that as they are looking to the stars, as they're studying the stars, trying to discover who God is and, and where God is and what he is, they're looking to the stars and God spoke to them, these Magi, these magicians, these astrologers, he spoke to them in their own language. God says, man, you guys speak star? Well, I actually created the stars. And therefore, because I created them and have sovereignty and control over them, I can reveal myself to you through the very thing that you're looking to to discover God. It's amazing that he met them in their own medium to reveal himself to them, which is so amazing. It shows us in God's character and in God's nature that he is not limited in the ways which he's able to reach people and to speak to people. And so today we're blessed that we live in a country where we have the Bible, we have the word of God, where he speaks to us. But again, it's so encouraging to know that all over the world where there's billions of people who don't have the Bible, who have never heard the gospel, that Jesus can speak to them in such a profound way, even through the stars he created or or anything that they have. God can reveal himself and speak to people in any ways that he wants uh, because he created all things. Isn't that amazing? And so in this time as well, it wasn't uncommon actually in the ancient East for Persians and Arabians to actually associate the birth of of a new ruler with uh, an astronomical phenomenon. And so because they studied the stars and looked to the stars, when something uh, supernatural happened in the 
sky. They believed that that would symbolize the birth of a new king or something amazing. And so God used their knowledge and what they believed um, to actually reveal himself to them. So there was this one star that I guess stuck out above all the other ones. We don't know exactly what it was, whether it was a supernova or an asteroid or what, but they saw this one star. And again, they were looking to the stars for direction and discover God. And, and as they saw this star, they actually began to follow it and it led them to the person of Jesus himself, which is so amazing that God can speak clearly enough through a star if someone's heart is actually longing for him. If someone is actually searching for God, he can speak to them through that. And the psalmist wrote that as well in Psalm 19, one through four. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Isn't that amazing? The heavens declare the glory of God. They're constantly speaking, revealing God's nature and God's character and who he is to people who aren't as privileged as us to be able to sit in a Christmas gathering and hear a Christmas story on Christmas Eve. There's people right now laying out under the stars, looking up, and, and God can speak to them and meet them, although they would be thousands of miles away from any church. God can meet those people right where they're at, which is so amazing. And so this star appeared and, and it's leading and guiding these wise men to Jerusalem. And it's interesting, this actually was a fulfillment of a messianic prediction, which was given in Numbers chapter 27. There was a prophecy that says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It's Numbers twenty four seventeen, And so it was actually prophesied that a star would appear, which would lead these people to where the Messiah was going to be born. And so these magi, again, these magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, they followed this star, and they went to Jerusalem first. And uh, Jerusalem was the, the, cap, the capital city of the Jews at that time. And so these magi, who, who knew nothing about the, the Jesus of the Bible or the predictions the prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. They went to Jerusalem because they assumed that these Jewish leaders who, who grew up with the scriptures would have more information about where this new king was going to be born. And I love when they get to Jerusalem, what they say in verse two, they ask specifically, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? What's so amazing about this is these magi, again, they were not Jewish. They, they weren't of Jewish descent. They were from a foreign nation. And yet when they get to Jerusalem, they ask the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Which means he's, he's not necessarily their king. That They're not of Jewish descent. And yet, although they weren't Jewish, they said, man, we're going to crash the party He's the king of the Jews, and we're not Jewish, but we're not going to miss this. Like, if he's going to be born, and if this star's leading us to where he's at, although we're not Jewish and might feel out of place, we are going. We're not going to miss this amazing event. And so it's, I just love this. I, I love their faith that they have and their desire to really discover who God was. They had no invitation at all, and they're like, yo, we're baby crashing. Like, some of you guys back in the day might have done wedding crashing, which is, you know, it's a gray area. I'm, I'll say that, you know. Some are black. It's a gray area. But um, I will say this, like, this is crazy. These dudes are straight baby crashing, like the birth of Jesus. Could you, I mean, just imagine this. Like, your wife's chilling in the hospital and, like, you know, about to have the baby. And then all these random dudes, like, from another country who've never met just come running in. And you're like, 
what is going on? But then they like bring you a bunch of gold and frankincense and mercy. Like, okay, yeah, you can chill. That makes sense, right? So like, just think about like how crazy this scene is here. Like legitimately, Jesus is being born and then all these foreigners like come and it's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But they're like, yo, like this is the birth of Jesus. This is like the greatest event in the history of the world. And they're like, we're not gonna miss that. I think of like the closest thing we have today, which was 2017, hashtag totality which I will just say, I was shocked at how many people live in Oregon and didn't go into like the zone in the line of totality when the eclipse happened this year. I'd been waiting for this moment like forever. And my wife was like, you know, there's going to be so much traffic. Maybe we shouldn't, right? Remember? And I was like, dude, this is totality. Like we're going. So we went to totality. We were like right below Salem or something like that. I was chilling like at this lake, kind of on a dock. And I started talking to this guy and he was talking with a thick British accent. And I was like, yo, where you from? And he's like, London. And I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I flew over with my family for totality. And I was like, dude, thank you. Like you get it. Like some of my friends lived in Eugene, like 20 minutes from totality. And I'm like, dude, are you guys coming to see it? And they're like, no, dude. What? Like, that's crazy. And then like pretty much the majority of the cars were Californians. Like so many people from California, I was thankful that they understood it. We didn't invite them. Like Oregonians were protective. This is our zone, right? We didn't invite them, but they knew like, yo, this is totality. We're going to see that baby. And if you missed it, just, I mean, at least you got Instagram. You can see the pictures other people took and kind of feel like you got to see it. So, you know, praise the Lord for social media that we can kind of do that. But this is awesome. Like I love these wise men. They're like, dude, this is the birth of Jesus. Uh, like a new king, we, we're going, like thousand miles, we're going, we're not going to miss this epic event, which I just think is so amazing, the faith that they have, the determination they have to really see this new king who was going to be born. And so they went to Jerusalem, and it says this in verse 3, look at the response of the people in Jerusalem, which is so interesting. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these wise men, again, from Arabia, most likely, they get there and they're like, hey, where's the king of the Jews? Where's the one who's going to be born the king of the Jews? Herod, who was king at that time, he felt threatened by that. He felt like, man, if there's a new king who's really going to be born, that means he's going to take over my kingdom. He didn't like that. He was disturbed. And it says all of Jerusalem with him. So the Jews, the, the, the people who grew up hearing the promises of a coming Messiah, they were disturbed when the wise men showed up and said, man, like, where is he? Where's the Messiah? And out of Herod's being so disturbed, he gathered together all of his scribes and all the high priests, the people who really knew the scriptures, and he asked them, hey, like, these guys are here, and they're saying there's a new king, king of the Jews who's going to be born. What's the deal with that? And the scribes and the religious leaders of that day, they knew the prophecies concerning the birth of the Messiah, and they quote literally Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Again, that was written 700 years before Jesus was even born. It's miraculous. But the scribes and the religious rulers, they knew that. They're like, oh yeah, like the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, which is crazy because they knew and they understood the biblical information correctly. I mean, these guys were scholars concerning the Old Testament. They knew the information correctly, and yet the people who knew most about God and the coming of the Messiah, they actually failed to apply it to their lives. 
They, they, they had a lot of head knowledge. They knew where he was, and yet they didn't make the journey to go see the birth of this Messiah who they were awaiting. And it's crazy because from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is only a six-mile journey. So the Jews in Jerusalem who were waiting, who knew the prophecies, the Messiah is going to become and be born. These guys from a thousand miles from the east come and they're like, yo, we're here to see baby Jesus. We're here to see the Messiah. Where is he? They're like, he's in Bethlehem. But the religious leaders are like, but we're not going to go. Like he's six miles away, but, but we're not willing to make that journey. And it's so odd that the Jews, the religious leaders, the scribes, the people who grew up knowing the promises concerning the Messiah, it's odd that they weren't flooding to Bethlehem like totality, like, yo, we're going to see this. Jesus is going to be born. These were the people who were entrusted with the scriptures, the people who knew exactly where he was going to be born, and yet it's just so sad and odd that they failed to make it to the birth of Jesus. And yet these magi, these people who literally were not a part of the commonwealth of Israel or the promises given to Israel, these were the people who at that time were literally the farthest from Jesus. They were worshiping the stars. These are the people that we see searching out the Messiah to find him. Not the people who knew he was going to be born there. Not the people who grew up knowing the prophecies. The people who knew nothing. The people who didn't follow the Messiah, who weren't awaiting his coming. And it's just amazing. We see in this really that many times those who are the nearest to the means are actually the people who are the farthest from the end. The, the Jews, they knew, they, they had all the information, and yet sometimes the greatest distance is the, difference between, the, the distance between the head to the heart. And they had that. They had the head knowledge. They knew of the coming of the Messiah. They knew the scriptures. They could quote the prophecies. They knew everything, and yet they were indifferent towards him. And yet they they didn't make a six-mile journey to actually go and see if this truly was the Messiah. And, And that really shows us the state of these people. They grew up knowing Jesus, knowing the prophecies, knowing the Bible, and yet there wasn't a personal thing that had happened in their heart. And it's sad that that's really what religion does. It gives you a lot of head knowledge. It gives you a lot of understanding. And yet some people who know the most are actually the people who are the farthest from God in their hearts. And maybe that's you tonight. Like maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you grew up hearing all the Bible studies. You could quote to me Romans Road. You could quote to me John three sixteen. You could tell me all about the Bible. And yet maybe it hasn't transferred yet into your heart. Maybe you're like these rulers and these scribes who could tell you, man, that's where Jesus is, but they're not actually with Jesus. And yet these, these magi, these people who were so far from Jesus, who knew nothing, who didn't know where he was going to be born, we see them saying, man, I want to go and worship. I, I, I want to go to that Savior. I want to find him. It's actually the people who were the farthest from God who were brought the closest at the birth of Jesus, which is quite amazing. So they, they find out he's going to be born in Bethlehem because Herod summoned all of his wise men to tell him. And then it says this in verse seven, Herod summoned uh, the wise men secretly and ascertained them from what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So the guys who, who traveled from the East, these wise men, these astrologers, the Magi, Herod's like, okay, like we know now he's going to be born in Bethlehem, six miles. So Herod says, I want you guys to go and find him. 
And when you find him, come back and tell me where he is so I can too go and worship him. Well, spoiler alert if you don't know the story, but we later find out Herod actually didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him because he felt like his throne was being threatened. And so um, he sends them out, and this is the, the, the greatest part of the story. Verse 9 says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose... Uh, and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Man, what a sight this must have been to, to see these men who had traveled over a thousand miles to see really these impressive magicians and astrologers and scientists coming and bowing before the, the, the cradle of a young baby, bowing before baby Jesus. And at this time, he wore no crown. He had no royal garments. He wasn't inhabiting a castle. He didn't have any royal lineage from which they knew. And yet these men, well-learned and, and, and really scholars and brilliant concerning a lot of things, bowing down before this young child. And not only bowing down, but offering him precious gifts. And even more than that, their worship. They gave him their worship. The thing that Herod actually was longing for, the thing that Herod wanted, the, the, these wise men came and gave to the Lord baby Jesus. And man, how strange it is that when you really think about this, at the coming of Jesus, the coming of God, the coming of the Messiah, there was not a single priest, there was not a single scribe, there was not a single Pharisee, there was not a single religious ruler, there was not a single teacher of the law present there at what we call the nativity scene. Like, have you ever thought about that? You drive by churches or people's houses and you see the nativity scene. And what do we see? You usually see the shepherds who an angel appeared to who were actually outcasts in the society. You see some sheep and then you see the, these three wise men. Although realistically, there probably was more than three. People just say there's three because there was three gifts. But we see the wise men and it's like, man, like, look at that. Look who's there present at the birth of Jesus. Not, not religious great people who appear to have it all together on the outside. The people present at the birth of Jesus were the people who were actually the farthest away from Jesus, who knew nothing about Jesus, who didn't know the prophecies about Jesus. Those are the people who were present at the birth of Jesus, not the people who grew up knowing all of it, the people who actually were the farthest. And this is what's so beautiful about the Christmas story. The Magi who knew so little they came, they knew so little and they came so far and gave so much. And yet the religious rulers, the scribes of that day, they knew so much and they were so near, six miles away, and yet they did so little. And so what we see here from the story of the Magi, the true Christmas story here, this teaches us that God sent his son to reach the people who were the farthest away from him the people who literally were the greatest distance from Jesus and had the littlest knowledge about Jesus, those are the people that Jesus came for. And could you imagine how out of place they must have felt? Could you imagine going into a foreign country and, and showing up to see the birth of the king of the Jews and there's no Jews there, it's just you? Like, how out of place did you feel? Like, man, they must have felt like for sure we don't belong here. And yet what's so amazing although they felt like they didn't belong, all that mattered was that they believed. 
They had the faith. They believed that this was going to be a miraculous birth. They believed that this was the son of God and they went in and they worshiped him. And a lot of times there's people in the church. There's people who come to the church that may feel the same as these magi. You feel like, man, the church isn't for me. Maybe you had a bad experience with the church or had a, had a wrong idea of what Christianity or what Jesus was about. And a lot of people come into church and feel like they don't belong. They feel like, man, I just don't belong here. I'm too, I'm too far from God. I've done too many things. I'm too messed up. This is not a place where I belong. And yet we see through the Christmas story that, that the, where Jesus is, is actually the place where people who feel like they don't belong, people who are the farthest from God, that is a place that they can belong. That is a place that they come and they can find joy and they can find hope in the presence of Jesus and they can worship Jesus for who he is. And so I just love this. I just love the truth of this story that tonight, you know, uh, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like that, that you don't belong here or the church is a place where you don't belong, but it's the exact opposite. Jesus, we see in the Christmas story, came the farthest distance to reach the people who were the farthest distance from him. And that's what's so amazing about this God that we serve. It's so what's so amazing about the birth of Jesus. It teaches us that there's no geographical or racial or cultural distance they can separate anybody from the presence of Jesus. They can separate any heart that's searching for him. He can reveal himself to them. And if you're in here tonight, it, I want you to know, like, there is no distance that, that you have went. There's no things that you have done. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And it's so amazing. He proved that because the greatest distance that there was, was already the distance that he came. God himself left his throne, sent his son to the earth that he created to come and live among us and dwell among us. And he went the full distance. He finished the job. He went to the cross where he died on the cross. He conquered death three days later for our sins, proving he was victorious. And you know why he did that? For a relationship. He did that because he wanted a relationship with us. While we were his enemies, he died for us. And that shows us that, 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 that there is no distance that Jesus has not already covered. The gospel is for all people. It's for the magi. It's for the people worshiping the stars. It's for the people who are so far from him. Those are the people who are present at the birth of Jesus. And so the Christmas story, it really is a story about how God came to a people who were so far away because he was a God who wanted to be made near. And that's what we see all throughout the scriptures. Ephesians 2.13 tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's all of us. We were so far off, so far from God, like the Magi in our own world, doing our own thing. And Jesus said, man, I'm coming near. My blood and my sacrifice, it's for you. It's to bring you near. Hebrews 7.25 says he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Man, it's through Jesus, like these Magi who, who knew so little but said, I'm gonna come to Jesus. I wanna see Jesus. I'm, I'm not gonna miss this thing. They came to him where he was at and, and Jesus revealed himself to them in a supernatural way. And I want you guys to know tonight that we have this same opportunity. The, the, the invitation of to be a part of the nativity scene, so to speak, is an invitation that Jesus gives to all of us. And our response to what Jesus wants, us to be near, a people who were far, he wants to be close. We have a few different ways in which we can respond to that invitation to be near to Jesus. We're all like 
either Herod, who in the story said, man, I, I don't want that. I don't want to be near to Jesus. I actually hate Jesus. Sadly, that, that is a response that some people take towards the God who, who left everything to come and have a relationship with him. The reality is some people are hostile towards that. Herod said, man, I actually, I want to kill him. I, I don't like the fact that this king is going to come and, and take over my kingdom. I pray that wouldn't be your response today. I, I, I pray that God would, through his spirit, break down any hostile, hostile barriers that have been built in your heart. The second response we see is the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They knew everything about the coming of the Messiah. They knew exactly where he was going to be born, and yet they were indifferent, and yet they were apathetic. And again, sadly, that is a response that that some people take towards the Christmas story and towards the birth of Jesus. It's, man, Jesus wants to be so near. He wants to be so close. And some people know that in their head. They're like, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know he died for me. Yeah, I know he loves me. And yet they're apathetic. And yet it hasn't really sinken down in their heart. And the third response is the response of the wise men, which is my prayer for all of us, that we would follow the wisdom of the wise men who they sought Jesus out and their response and when they came and saw him was, man, they worshiped him. When they realized that this God went the distance to reach them, the people, the farthest distance from him, they said, man, how can we do anything but worship? And that's what Jesus wants from each and every one of us tonight. He wants a personal relationship. He wants us to know the distance that he came to reach us no matter how far we felt. And when you feel the weight of that, when you feel the gravity of that, that of how far Jesus went for you and all that he did for you, the only true response is like that of the wise man. Man, I just got to worship. I just got to say thank you, Jesus, that you came the distance to cover the distance that was between us. And so tonight, we're going to close out this Christmas Eve service with that. We're going to close it out worshiping Jesus together. And I want to invite you guys to join with us in that. Amen.